for uh, tonight's lesson, I have a few papers that I wanted to tell you if you're interested. I have a paper on the future, one on time and Hebrew mentality, and one on Yahweh. And I believe God, uh, the Lord, translate Yahweh's Lord, that's probably the most necessary thing in your life, my life. If you want one of those papers, we can make it happen. Um, I thought tonight we'd begin low and build high. I had a class a number of years ago, and in the class, it was on anthropology and worldview, we talked about how peoples around the world view time, and I'm going to be talking about time tonight. And uh, as we approach our subject matter, yesterday, today, tomorrow, Hebrews 13.8, we'll read it in just a little bit, and we'll be uh, isolating that, not taking it out of context, because we will be looking at the context of Hebrews 13, but we want to focus on that, and we shall read in just a little bit. But the Navajo Indians of yesterday, they had a very uh, perceptive sense of time present, but they did not think the time future existed. You say, that's weird. Well, uh, different cultural approaches to time are different. The Chinese culture, for example, uh, they were very, very past-oriented with their ancestral worship and so forth. So depending on your culture, now we, in, in Christianity, we have our own culture. We should have our own culture. And it is the Christian worldview that you get by doing what we do in Bible Bowl, studying the Word of God and uh, grateful for our little approach to it this day, but the benefit will be for tomorrow, not just this afternoon, in Bible Bowl. Galileo had a view of time and came up with the equation. Marla and I used to live on the boulevard Galileo Galilei, and uh, velocity equals acceleration times time. V equals A T. And those in physics deal with it all the time. And if Mike was here, he was a mailman. He had to deal with that equation. But time is intrinsic, and we're still using time in that equation. It still makes sense here. Uh, today, as we get along, we'll see that. But what, what is going to happen is people will tell you what time is. If an atheist tells you what time is, he's going to be influenced by the no-God galaxy. We have Yahweh in our galaxy. We want to know what time is from a Christian point of view. And that's where we'll be coming from here today. It was uh, in my brain a long time ago, I came up with what Martin Heidegger said about time. He, he said, man is that, only, is that only creature that can view his life. And uh, uh, dogs can't really do that. Or cats can't do that, but you can because you're a man. And so I got to thinking about Heidegger's approach. Man is that unique creature in the universe that can uh, view his own life. And I came up with this formula about past, present, future. I hope it makes sense to you. A man is that, that creature that can assess his past. He can access his present and he may accentuate his future and prepare for tomorrow. And that makes sense to me. 
Assess your past, but don't get bogged down in the past. Paul said, I forget the things that are behind. And access your present. See, I can't live in the future. I can only live in the here and now and the present. And that would be important because your present affects your future. And that is important. But uh, a lot going on about ETI and UFOs. And uh, uh, I wouldn't know most things. If there are aliens in the universe, which I don't happen to think there are, but if there are, I would should like to play them in golf because I don't think they'd be very good at golf, and I'm looking to need a win really bad. But when we think about time, it's somebody from outside our galaxy who can come in and say a word about what wisdom and what this all means. What's the meaning of life? John 8, 23, you are from below, Jesus said. I am from above. Well, who's better informed? And I, I, I talk about the Russell Whitehead Principia in mathematics. You cannot prove it from within itself. You have to rest on axioms. Self-evident proof. And you just assume it to be so, and we're going to talk more about propositions in the future. But here we are tonight, and as somebody from outside our galaxy is qualified to talk about what life is, and that's Jesus, the Lord Jesus, risen from the dead, Revelation 1. He's qualified. Somebody from within our own system is going to get bogged down, and they do get bogged down. And that's what we're doing tonight, appealing to him who is outside of our galaxy, risen from the dead, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus. So ETI, extraterrestrial intelligence, uh, that's God. Uh, tonight, Jesus, the, the, the verse comes to us, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, that's your past, today, there's your present, and Forever. It doesn't say tomorrow, it says forever. Well, what's the difference? Well, forever would imply the tomorrow, but your tomorrow may come and go, but in this forever, that's eternita. That's the Christian worldview. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And I'm trying to get us thinking along terms of he's the Alpha, that's source, and he's the last. And that's the goal of history. And here I am tonight trying to make my way through this 21st century wilderness. Paul Tillich put it this way. I like this very much. Christ, the center of history, has come. Christ, the end of history, is coming. That's Christian uh, doctrine. That's Hebrews 9.28. Tonight... Five questions. I don't know if you can read these. I was trying to fit them on the screen. Number one, how shall we uh, assess the past, process the past? How shall we process the past? Yeah, there is a movie, if you haven't seen it, uh, called A Trip to Bountiful, Bountiful, Texas. I think it's a fictitious place. How many here have seen A Trip to Bountiful? It's a, okay, this group must see that movie. It, it's a little bit older, but it is really worth watching as Carrie Watts' life has changed and she wants to go home again before she dies. And so she takes a bus to Bountiful, Texas. You must see that movie. 
We want, how do you process the past when mom and dad are gone? It's hard to believe, isn't it, that mom and dad aren't here anymore, grandma and grandpa aren't here anymore. Number two, what should we do with the present? You need to access it. It's all you have. Today is all you have. You have to, to use it. Or you lose it. Number three, what is knowable about the future? See, I haven't been in the future yet. But I know who has, and he has told us what it's like. See, death in Sheol is a trip from which no traveler has ever come back except Jesus. And because he has, he can direct our way. There's a song, and I'm trying to think of the title, and I just couldn't come up with it. I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. What's that title, Terry? I can't remember. That would be a good song. Number four, how can temporal time be a vehicle for the eternal uh, existence or the, uh, the permanence of eternity? See, everything now is ephemeral. Time keeps changing. Marla remarked at the birthday uh, party yesterday for Johnny, she said, man, he's handsome and looked like a Hollywood personality when he was in his 20s. And somebody today said, well, we all looked like Hollywood when we were 20. But, well, maybe most of us. But time keeps us changing. And how can Jesus Christ bring, bring continuity to the sporadic nature of this cosmos? Well, what do you mean by that? Well... I suppose you already know that Harry and Meghan got evicted out of Frog's Mare. Hmm? That's a change. may not affect you, Irvin, but... Mom and Dad are gone. My golf game has changed. Russia invaded Ukraine. See, that's all contemporary to your living right now. That all affects you. Some more than others. But time is moving on. And we want to have a Christian worldview of time. So let's go ahead uh, here and read our passage in Hebrews 13 tonight. And I will be reading the first nine verses. And here's the interesting thing. I want you to ask the question here uh, tonight as we talk about yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever. Let's go ahead and read, and I want to ask you, well, what's verse 8 doing in that context? What's verse 8 doing there? Okay, so that's the question I want us to look at here. Hebrews 13, verse 1, let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some of them have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. For marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Five, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Verse 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. 
verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried, verse 9, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods, which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Well, there's the context, and you say, well, what, that verse 8 is like an island in the middle of it all. I just have to give you uh, T.S. Eliot's The Four Quartets, a little reading. Time present and time past are both perhaps present in the future, and the future contained in time past. If all time is eternally present, all time is unredeemable. What might have been is an abstraction, remaining a perpetual possibility only in a world of speculation. What might have been and what has been, footfalls point to one end, which is always present. Footfalls echo in the memory. Down the passage which we, uh, which we did not take toward the door, which we did not open, into the rose garden. Now what's Eliot getting at? Only that every man deals with time. Time past. Time present. Time future. I was in my, in a truck. I believe it was 1995 with my brother-in-law he uh, as an attorney, and he had a deposition about 50 miles out of town. We were happened to have been visiting them, my brother Anthony, and, and there we were in the truck, and I, I asked him if I could bring a book along um, to bide my time, and I chose Maurice Merleau-Ponty. And he said, oh, yeah, that was one of my textbooks when I was in law school, and I had been reading, and we were talking about Ponty. And I didn't know it then. I certainly know it now, but Maurice Merleau-Ponty is an atheist. And with Ponty, as I put up here on the board, everything, that's a universal qualifier, everything in the universe is bound to the framework of time. See, if you're an atheist, you have to accept that position. But we tonight, as Christians, do not accept that proposition. Chris, you don't live there. You don't have to accept it because Jesus Christ is outside of our galaxy. He's outside of time. He's the creator. He transcends space. He transcends time. He's Lord of all, or he won't be Lord at all. And so that is the Christian worldview. And so I, I have understood, oh, uh, Maurice Merleau-Ponty may have been a uh, uh, a bright man in some secular sense of the word, but his philosophy is trash, garbage. The Christian worldview is a place for you and I where we can live. You say, well, what's the theological background of Hebrews 13.8? Well, quickly, just a verse in the Old Testament, Psalm 102. And verse 27 especially, but I'll begin in verse 24. Psalm 102, 24, I said, Oh my God. Now that's personalization of Yahweh, of Elohim. Do not take me away in the midst of my days. In the midst of my days, 
Yes, Aristotle said a man's in his prime at age 40. See? If you want to go with, I'd like to say higher because I'm beyond that. Your, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish. But you will endure. Yes, they will grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them and they will be changed. 27. But you are the same. Talk about Planck's constant in in science. God is your theological constant. He will not change. I, Jehovah, change not. But you are the same and your years will have no end. That's where Hebrews 13.8 comes from. And to further uh, uh, get this thing fixed in your mind, turn to Hebrews chapter 1 because he quotes that thing and then he'll develop 13.8 as an expansion on Hebrews chapter 1. So if you'll oblige me here, Hebrews 1.10, just a few verses, you'll see it in the New Testament context here emerge for you tonight. Hebrews chapter 1. See, Christ is greater than angels. Well, what does that mean? Well, in chapter 1, it certainly means what we're about to read. Hebrews 1, 10. And you, Lord. That's Yahweh. But it's applied to the Son. But to the Son, he says. Now, that's weird. Unless you have a place in your heart meaning the seat and center of your emotions and intellect for Jesus Christ. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. But we just read that in Psalms. That was Yahweh in the Old Testament. But here, it's the Son. That's the mystery of the Godhead. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will... Hold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. See, that's the backdrop against which 13.8 is written. And I thought you needed to get the backdrop there, and that's where the Hebrew writer is coming from. So in 13.1-9, why did the Hebrew writer insert verse 8? Well, I'll give you three reasons. In verses 5 and 6, which we've just read, I asked myself that same question last week, and I came up with the context. See, if you want to stick with the Bible, then stay in the context. In verses 5 and 6, the social conflict. Now, what do you mean about that? Or what's going on there? Social conflict. 13.5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you had for he himself. So I will never leave you nor forsake you. In verse 7, a change in leadership. Remember those that had the rule over you. Remember those that had. They don't currently, presently have the rule over you. My understanding is he's probably referencing the first eldership in the Lord's church uh, to which they came uh, and became part of the body of Christ. But they've died. Or they've moved. Or they're not here anymore. And how relevant is that? Uh, Here in Andrews, our situation has changed. The leadership has turned over. And uh, I keep a... A beloved message that Moody wrote me on my uh, little uh, office uh, board. 
But Moody's not in the building anymore. And I could go on and on, but you know better than I that, that the leadership has turned over, will turn over, and one day will turn over. And the third contextual cue is strange teachings. Why did you say Jesus, is the Christ, uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Because these people, the Hebrew Christians, needed continuity. They, some of them were leaving the faith. They'd stopped meeting together, Hebrews chapter 10. 25 and following, they were departing from the faith. Well, strange teachings. Do we have any of that in our world, Kevin? Wacky woke, liberal left, radical right. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of strange. Your version may not say strange. It may say something, uh, uh, doctrines that are different and contrary to the gospel that you've heard. And so... These, uh, I think, are contextually the three uh, cues as to why he put that island of verse 8 within that passage. Because they were in need of continuity to know that there is a constant in the, the world and cosmos of flux. And everything's changing. And they needed to realize that Jesus Christ does not change. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Yesterday today, tomorrow. So we began with uh, five questions a moment ago here. And I hope that maybe these little few remarks that we've given about Hebrews 13.8 might have given you a better uh, appreciation for the one verse. And may that verse guide you all your days. What a verse it is. In the English, nine words. Nine words for today. Nine words for tomorrow. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, I'm going to close. Oh, by the way, uh, for those among you, uh, you're almost there. Stay with it. And I think that's what the Hebrew writer is doing. He's saying, stay with it. Don't, uh, don't leave just yet. I'm going to close with a, a, a few more concepts. The lesson will be yours. If you're not a New Testament Christian, a baptized believer, I know many among us are tonight. But if you're not and would like to put on Christ, we'll have ample opportunity. Hebrews 9 talks is a passage that uses three different forms of the term appear, appeared. He's going to appear again, Hebrews 9, 24 through 28. Very worth looking at, Hebrews 9, 24 through 28, the term appear. Advent, uh, he did appear, and he will appear again, and history will be wound up. A point to be made here is that we, what we do today will affect your tomorrow, your present will affect your future. In Christ and history, Buttrick quotes a poem by W.H. Auden, for the time being, and that's where we are tonight, for the time being, you say, I wish things were more settled God is settled. Yahweh, he who is. How more settled can you be than that? Yahweh, the Lord, he who is. Tonight, he who is may be for you. We live in the time being, a strange interim between an accomplished act of God and Christ and its final validation. History in its whole sweep is tension and polarity caught between two worlds. Christ, the center of history, has come. 
in a prophetic element, Christ, the end of history, is coming. Ernest Hemingway wrote, Every man's life ends the same way. It is only in the details of how he lived that distinguish one man's life from another. May the classification of future and a sunnier tomorrow for all of us coincide with the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, Philippians 3.14. I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. I close with a little poem called Opportunity. Seek not for fresher founts afar. Just drop your bucket where you are. Parch not your life with dry despair. The streams of hope flow everywhere. So under every sky and star, just drop your bucket where you are. May God bless you tonight. And tomorrow we have an invitational song selected. Wes, would you come and lead us now?